Today is uh, St. Patrick's Day, so I was thinking about, you know, how to start. And so I, I was in this bar in uh, Colon, Michigan. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't drinking. No, I wasn't. I was in Colon, Michigan. Colon, Michigan is this little tiny town, and uh, it's, it's a place where uh, a lot of magicians in the past have lived. Blackstone is buried there. And so every year they gather this humongous group of magicians and variety entertainers for a convention. And one year I was hired to go there and, and uh, entertain. And it's such a small town that there's no hotels or anything. So you have to stay in people's houses. And then there's nowhere to go after the show is over. The only thing open is the bar. So we went there. And, you know, there's a thousand magicians acting stupid and and I was there acting stupid and I ran into this other guy and he and I he said what do you, what else are you doing I said well I'm in school I'm, I'm studying theology to be a minister and he said well I used to be in school studying to be a minister and I said really I said so what you graduated he said no I quit I, I don't want to be a part of the church anymore and I said really it's unusual, in, you know, in Colton, Michigan, to find somebody who's quit seminary. And I asked him why, and he said, well, you know, the problem with the church is nobody really cares about anybody. What I want to know is not how you're doing in church. I want to know how you're treating other people. People in church really don't care about each other. I've thought about that a lot since that time. It's been 30 years ago. And... It's a good question. How are we treating one another? And the Apostle Paul wants us to think about that in this passage that we read today. In Romans chapter 12, and this is on page uh, 948 in your, in your uh, pew Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can just pick that up and turn to page 948. And in that, in that passage in Romans chapter 12, Starting in verse 3, you'll see it right up at the top left hand of the page in page 948. Paul has some very interesting things to say to us. And so let's read them together. Paul, this is Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This 12th chapter of Romans is where the, the actual application of the letter begins. Up until the 12th chapter, it's been all this very heavy, very deep, very difficult theology. And finally, we get to chapter 12, and Paul now is going to tell us how this theology that we've been learning about in all these chapters is supposed to affect our lives. What are we supposed to do about it? And in the third verse that you have in front of you, Paul uses the word think four times. You can't 
You'll see three of them in your ESV translation if you're looking at Pew Bible. And there's the word sober judgment is another time where he uses this very same word. So four times Paul uses this word in the one verse and he wants us to think. And so since Paul has used those, those words so many times in this one small little paragraph, it's important for us to realize that he wants us to think about what's going on and what he's telling us in this passage. And I think that he has three different areas for us to think about, <clears throat> three different areas that, that all of us should, should think through. The first is, and this is in verse three, we should think about ourselves. And you'll notice that he says there, uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. So he gives us a negative and a positive. The negative is, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. And the positive is, to think of yourself with sober judgment. Most of the time when people get into trouble, it's because of one of an error in one of these two ways. Sometimes people get into trouble because they think of themselves more highly than they should and they get into trouble. Others get into trouble because they think of themselves more low than they should. And that will affect both the way that they treat themselves and the way that they treat other people. And Paul wants us to know here that we can't think of ourselves more highly because the Lord Christ is our example. So if we measure our lives apart from the grace of God, up against Christ, we are horrible, terrible failures. But Paul wants us also to remember that we're not just failures, so we don't think of ourselves more highly than we should, but that we're also made in the image of God. Every one of us who is here today, we are made in the image of God. And because we are made in the image of God, that ought to affect how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. We don't think of ourselves too lowly because we're made in the image of God. And we don't think of ourselves too highly because Christ is our ultimate standard. And so the first thing that Paul wants us to think about in this passage, he wants us to think about ourselves. Aristotle had this wonderful concept, you, you've heard of it, I'm sure. He calls it the golden mean. And what he means by that is we wanna be in the middle. So for example, there's a prayer in Proverbs where the prayer says, Lord, give me neither too much nor too little. And he recognizes by that, that there are problems that come from having too much money, just as there are problems that come from having too little money. And so the golden mean is to be sort of right in the middle. And the golden mean in how we think of ourselves is not to think of ourselves too highly, but not to think of ourselves too lowly. And so we all, when we think about who we are, should think in the way that Paul tells us. But there's a second thing that he wants us to think about. And that is what we need to think about other people. And you'll see this in, in verses four and five. He wants us to know that we, as the people of God, we as the church are unified. And you see that in, in verse four in the first part of it, as in one body, we have many members. This is a very common sort of illustration in the ancient world that the church is a group of people and we're all like different parts of the body. You remember 
that Paul is writing this letter to the Romans from Corinth. And in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, which he has already written before Romans, he has reminded the Corinthian people, particularly in chapter 12, be careful about how you think about yourself and be careful about how you think about others because we're all part of the body. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a unity of us, just like there's a unity of the body. It's important to realize that we're all working together just like the body works together. But he tells us not only is there a uni unity of us, but there's also a diversity. And he tells us that in the second part of the verse, he says, the members do not all have the same function. And so he's saying to us here, different parts of the body have different functions. The hand is not the foot and the ear is not the eye. You remember that from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, what would you do if your whole body was an eye? You couldn't hear, right? I thought about today um, getting a football and painting an eye on it and then wrapping it up in a baby blanket and bringing it and saying, this is my new baby, it's an eye. But I didn't have a football or paint or a baby blanket uh, and it's creepy, so I didn't think that would be good. But you, 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 it's the same sort of thing that Paul says. He's saying to us, you can't be proud of being an eye because you've got to have a body to take you around. You can't be proud of being a hand because you've got to have feet to take you where, to, where you need to go. And Paul is saying all kinds of things about that. He's saying to us, we all have different gifts. We all do different things for the kingdom. We're all, we're all gifted though, and we all ought to be doing what God has called us to do. Paul also reminds us in verse 5 that the, we are individual, but we are members of one another. He is saying to us that when one of us hurts, all of us hurt. You, if you've ever had a bad issue with your body, you know that it doesn't just hurt in the, in the place where you're having the issue. Years ago, I, some of you remember that I paid my way through school working as a magician and a juggler, and uh, I was uh, doing a birthday party, but it was the afternoon after I'd had my wisdom tooth out in the morning. And at the birthday party, I always blew up these, you know, those balloons that you twist into animals. They're really small and they're hard to blow up. And I went to blow one up and I felt something pop and I felt air going into the side of my face. So I did what anyone else would do. I tried it again and it, it made it worse. And the kids started yelling, hey, you're blowing up your face. And then they wanted me to twist it into an animal, but I wasn't gonna do that. But I remember that at first it just hurt like that. But then it was like my, my arm hurt, my legs hurt, my head ached. It was like every part of my body hurt. And that is what Paul is saying to us. If we're really unified, if we're really the body of Christ like we are supposed to be, then we are not, we are not just happy when everyone's happy. But when one of us is hurt, we all hurt for them. We all do what we can to try to try to help them and to bring them up and to bless them. So Paul says we should think about ourselves. He says we should think about other people. And then he says, lastly, 
we should think about our gifts. And in verses 6 through 8, he, he gives us a list of gifts. And it tells us a variety of things. We all have gifts. Everybody who's here today, who's a member of the kingdom of God, you all have a gift that God has given you. It's one of the things that came out of the Reformation. Remember Martin Luther said, it's not just the, the priests and the nuns who were gifted by God. All of us have gifts. And that's where we get this idea of a calling, our vocation. Vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio. It's our calling. And so God calls all of us into different kinds of things. He calls us all to do something different. God doesn't call everybody to be a singer. God doesn't call everybody to, to speak on Sunday or else there'd be nobody to listen. God has different kinds of callings for all of us. And we all have different gifts. You know if you've been around somebody for a very long time, they have different gifts than you do. And you probably particularly know that your spouse has different gifts than, than you do. This word for gifts here is, it's the same, it's the root of the same word that Paul uses in the third verse, grace, where he says grace, because the gifts are given to us by grace. And the word, the word for grace is charis, and the word for gifts is charismata, where we get the word charismatic. So we're all gifted. We're all charismatic. Don't tell John MacArthur, but it, it, we, we, are, we are all doing something that God has called us to do. And we all have different gifts. And if you look honestly at yourself and at your spouse, you'll realize that you have different gifts. My wife, Cindy, knows everything about money and insurance and the mortgage and the checkbook and the bank. So if anybody calls us wanting to know about those things, she has to be the one that tells them. If anybody calls wanting to know about writing utensils in the first century, I'm golden on that. I've got that down. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure we have insurance, but that's just about all I know. Cause I think you have to, like you have to by the law. And, but I don't know a lot about money and people call up sometimes and they say, sir, can I ask you what you're in, you invest in? And I say, books and puppets. <laughs> and they say, uh, can, can I speak to someone else? <laughs> and I say, well, there's nobody else here. And they say, they leave you alone? <laughs> and they do. It's probably not safe, but... In a way, it's great that I don't know anything about the money because if anybody ever tries to rob me, like if a guy came up to me and, and, with a gun and said, take me to your bank and get out all your money on your ATM, I just have to say, brother, we got a couple of problems. Number one, I don't even know where the bank is. I don't even know the number of it. I, I don't know the name of the bank, so I'm not going to be able to help you there. Second, I'm 59 years old. I've never used an ATM card in my life. I don't even know what ATM stands for. ATM, probably like if you, anytime you need money, anytime money, you go to the ATM, that's probably it. But I've never used one because Cindy's afraid that I will take the card and get out money and not tell her and lose it. And, you know, so I would say to the guy with the gun, listen, call my wife and talk to her about the ATM cards because I can guarantee you she's not giving it to me. That's not going to happen. 
But it's a wonderful thing to know that you have someone else who is more gifted in the area than you are to take care of you. And that whatever gifts that you might have, you, you also help take care of them. And that's really what the church is all about. It's about using our gifts together to help build up the kingdom of God. We all have these gifts. And the list that we have here, it's seven gifts in this passage. It's not exhaustive. But it has some interesting things to say, so we'll quick, quickly look at these, these seven gifts. The first one is prophecy, and you see that in verse 6. If prophecy, then in proportion to our faith. Unfortunately, in today's culture, when we use the word prophecy, prophecy you think about Miss Cleo, but that's not what, what the text means. A prophet did one of two things in the Bible. Either they foretold the future, like Isaiah when he says, Behold, a virgin will give birth to a child, or... Some prophets just told forth what the, what the word of God was. They were forth tellers. And so they would say, yet three days and Nineveh will be destroyed or something like that. So the, the prophet is not always a person who tells the future. And probably not that gift of the future is probably not in existence anymore today. But there are still people who are able to stand up and say difficult things like the prophets of the Old Testament did. And then there's a second gift that Paul talks to us about, and that is the gift of service at the beginning of verse 7. If service in our serving. The word for service there is the same, the word from where we get our English word deacon. The deacons in the book of Acts were the people who went around serving so that the ministers and the elders could do the work of the church, of study, of helping people. And so some people have the gift of being able to help wherever the help is needed. Whatever needs to be done, they have that amazing ability to come in and help like that. And then the third gift is the gift of teaching. You'll see that there, Paul says, if one who teaches should do well in his teaching. You, we've all met, probably at one time or another in our lives, someone who was a great teacher. If you think back, you probably know someone who was a great teacher. And when they started teaching, even if you wanted to, you couldn't look away. It was as if they had grabbed you and dragged you along as, you, if you, as they were teaching and there was nothing you could do. You had to listen to them. They had that amazing ability to sort of just drag you along as, as they're teaching. Those are the people who are gifted in teaching. And then Paul tells us there are some people who are gifted in giving. He says it there, the, the one who uh, service and serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. So exhort, exhortation is a, is a, it's a difficult kind of gift to get a handle on. In essence, it means that person who sort of builds up other people when they, when they need it. That person who comes alongside you and says, listen, things are going to get better or listen, I want to help you in whatever way that I can. Or listen, let me give you some advice. We all probably have someone to whom we turn when we are in desperate need of advice. And that is the kind of person Paul is talking about here in exhortation. Then after exhortation, when we get to giving, the one who contributes in generosity, what he means by this is that they give freely not trying to get something from it. 
we've all probably, at one time or another, met someone who wanted to give us something, but in the back of our mind, we knew they, they wanted to get something out of us, and that's the reason they were giving us that. And I'm always a little hesitant to take anything from that kind of a person because I don't know what kind of strings are going to be onto it. And Paul says for us, who had the gift of giving, to just give it away and be done with it and not to say, I, I'll only give you if you do this for me. No, it's giving because God has given them the gift of giving and that's a wonderful thing. And then he talks about the gift of leading. You see it there in the end of verse, uh, at the middle of verse 8 it is, uh, the one who leads with zeal. That is that person who is a leader he leads with diligence even during difficult times. Even when things are not going as well as they might want it to go, they're still out there saying, this is what we really need to do. This is the next step that we need to take. And then the last gift is the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. At the very end of the verse eight. It may be that Paul is talking about forgiveness here by acts of mercy. He may be saying, the one who forgives, he does it with cheerfulness. We've all known there are two kinds of people who will forgive you. There are some who will just forgive you and move on and they will never think of it again. But there are others who say, yeah, I'll forgive you, but man, I'm gonna bring it up again every time I see you. I'm going to remind you of the fact that I've forgiven you every time I see you. It's not a very good way to go through life. That person doesn't really have the gift of forgiveness. That person doesn't have the gift of, of showing people mercy. And Paul wants us to know that the first 11 chapters of this heavy theology of the book, it works itself out in how we treat people. It works itself out in whether or not we care about people. It works itself out with that question that that young man asked me 30 years ago in that bar. I don't think that people in the church really care. It reminded me of a sermon by a, a man named Fred Craddock. He's with the Lord now, but he was a magnificent preacher. And he told him one day at his church when Someone, a woman who had been in the choir and been a member of the church and had been there for 30 years, she said to him as she was leaving, okay, that's my last day, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm done. He didn't know what to think. So after he was able to close the church building up, he went out to see her. And he said, you're quitting? Yeah. You're quitting the choir? Absolutely. You're quitting the church? Yeah. Why? Nobody cares. If I'm not back there in that choir next Sunday, nobody will care. If I'm not back there at the church next Sunday, nobody cares. It just doesn't matter. Nobody cares. And he said to her, no, they do. People care. No, they don't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about what I do or whether I show up or anything. Nobody cares. And he, he's pleading with her. And he says, no, I mean it. I absolutely mean it. People care. And she said to him, if people care, I want names. 
Give me names of the people who care. Could I, would it be all right? Could I give her your name? Do you care?